0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Potential of Assessments, the show that delves into creating and delivering and reporting on fair and reliable assessments. In each episode, we chat with assessment luminaries, influencers, subject matter experts, and customers to discover and examine the latest in best practice guidance for all things assessment. I'm your host, John Kleeman, founder of QuestionMark and EVP of Industry Relations and Business Development at Lenocity, the assessment technology company and today really pleased to welcome mike olson who's ceo and co-founder of proctorio an online proctoring company that uses machine learning and ai technology to validate student activity and identifies Uh, the right people in computer-based learning environments. Uh, Mike was dubbed an artful hacker by PC Magazine and named one of Arizona's 35 entrepreneurs under 35 by the Arizona Republic. He's a leader in creating educational technology that protects student privacy while increasing the value of online degrees. As lead research software engineer for ASU Online, Mike helped develop one of the world's premier online educational systems, and I think graduated from Arizona State University with degrees in aerospace and software engineering. Mike has a reputation for disrupting old paradigms and increasing student success in digital classrooms. Welcome, Mike. Really pleased to have you here. Thank you, John. Really excited to be here with you. So let's start as we uh, usually do in this podcast again, asking how you got into the world of assessment. <laughs> um, so my uh, my background is in education, so
1: higher education mostly. I uh, used to work at Arizona State University uh, as part of what was called ASU Online at the time. Uh, and and now it's called Ed Plus. Uh, and it's, it's actually real funny. Uh, I was hired on um, very, very early in, in that program. Uh, my first day was, was was interesting. They had just fired everyone who had worked there. Um, a, a new leader had taken over and uh, they were basically going to modernize and, and, and clean house. And so I was hire number six in this new group. We had this, this small hallway that they put us in in the back of this thing called the computing commons. It, w- it was really, really creepy. Uh, but we, we started and, and at the time, you know, the six of us, there was, there was maybe a total of 40 online students at the time. But when I say online students, I mean, these are fully online students. And um, through that process, I was there a total of six years. And uh, by the time I left it, at year six, we had 10,000 fully online students, and um, And these are students who maybe have never even been to campus, maybe have never even been to the state of Arizona. They've signed up online, they've taken courses online, and they're graduating even online. And my last day there, we actually announced the ASU partnership with uh, with, uh, Starbucks, which gave baristas the opportunity to go to ASU online, it was covered by Starbucks, and and further increased that program. So it, it was a lot of fun, uh, and, and the way I got into testing is if you think about it from 40 to 10,000 students, there's a lot of testing along the way. Uh, most students on average, two and a half assessments per course. Most, most students are doing six to eight courses per semester and two semesters a year. And so uh, with that, uh, a lot of assessment going on in, in education.
0: So I believe you were dubbed the artful hacker by PC Magazine. Tell us about that before we get into the meat of the assessment <laughs> side of things.
1: It's a, it's a yeah. Um, there, there's a, I have a copy of the magazine somewhere, and and I think there's an online version of it as well. Um, I, I was really into, and, and this is going to date me because LAN parties they they were a thing. We didn't really have internet. Maybe dial up, but no one was connecting online. So everyone would grab their computers, we'd go to a friend's house, and we'd, we'd play games. And uh, I, uh, I really liked that. Uh, but then somehow I got into stats and collecting stats and analyzing stats. And that's really what got me into coding. And uh, what we did is we built this sort of like game dashboard. I don't remember exactly how we did it, but we submitted to PC Magazine and, and then they printed it. Um, and, and and took a photo of us. It's 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 very old. It's very funny. But we're there with our custom computers and this 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 dashboard that we 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 got this piece of wood and we hand painted <laughs> the, the, the text on it. Um but yeah so the, the it was this sort of blending between uh, Artful, I guess, with with, with the dashboard and, and designing it and then Hacker uh, hacking the game so that you could get the stats from it so you could analyze your, your stats and, and things like that. So that, that, cool. that's how cool. that happened. <laughs>
0: cool. So tell me about the how you founded Proctorio. How what, what was the need that you saw there and how did you do it? You know, I think
1: the most important thing that a lot of people – I think no, but don't realize is, is we saw it at ASU, the number one inbound question for us on a, on a student who's thinking about or, or a prospect becoming a student was does my degree say online, right? I'm going to ASU. I want a degree that says ASU on it, Arizona State University, but does it say online? Will my employer basically know I did it online? And the reason that question is asked is because there's this sort of perception that an online degree means less or means they cheated, right? Or means that it was easier. And um, I got into it because we, we at ASU, we had decided, look, there, there are certain ways to, to validate that. And, and it's basically when that person is signing up and then throughout their entire educational career, we're validating that it's the right person. We're validating that they're not cheating. We're, we're uh, in the assessment periods where we're proctoring or monitoring them. And, and what we used at the time was, I would say not technology. Now this was a while ago, but it, it wasn't technology. Uh, we were having TAs initially connect over Skype and, and, and they would Skype session with a student. That works when you have 40, but it doesn't work when you have 10,000. Uh, and so we started outsourcing it to the, these companies. And, and these companies would basically charge students a lot of money. They'd have scheduling. So you had to book a certain slot. And if you think about it, at the end of the year, the the calendar year in December, final exams occur, at least in the U.S., occur over a two-week period. That two-week period to get a time slot is nearly impossible to get something ideal. So you're talking about a student that you've sold saying, hey, it's online education. Take it whenever you want do it from anywhere, oh, except during finals, because you're gonna to have to sign up for a slot. It's probably not gonna be convenient. And the and the company making you do it is gonna make you take it in a certain environment. So it wasn't a good experience. Um, at a- ASU, we wanted to create something. Um, and, and I was a software engineer, actually the only software engineer on staff, wanted to create something. And um, eventually was told no. And uh, I decided to quit and uh, create a, a remote proctoring company that I felt could could solve those issues. So no, no source scheduling, you know, it's completely automated based and, and respect to the privacy of those individuals.
0: And uh, wh- when was this? When did Proctoria start? So
1: 2013, feels like a long time ago, uh, we'll hit uh, 10 years in April, actually.
0: And how many people do you employ now? So we have a uh, we have one
1: hundred and forty people across three offices. So we're our primary headquarters, which which I'm in right now, is in Scottsdale, Arizona, and then we have two offices in Europe uh, that handle the rest of the world.
0: And I think one of them is in uh, Belgrade. Uh, what wh- what made you choose there as a partial base?
1: So so Belgrade is uh, is interesting. We originally um, had to add. One thing a lot of people don't realize is, is although we've created a proctoring business that, that uses automation, so we don't, we don't employ proctors, we, we use uh, software and technology that does it. But one thing a lot of people don't realize is that even though we have essentially robots as proctors, we have a lot of people um, who actually are, are what we call tier one, the first responders, the people who help the test takers, no matter where they are, get into an exam. Um, A lot of people finally experienced this during COVID. Cameras don't work. Microphones don't work. There's technical issues all the time. And we need people that actually help those test takers get into exams. And one of the things that we had realized is we needed some contingencies. Uh, We needed a scalable operation that had people in multiple time zones um, across the world, people who spoke multiple languages. Uh, And then uh, with GDPR, so this was pre-GDPR days, GDPR around the corner, we needed people located in Europe who could handle those sorts of conversations and that's for customer data. So Belgrade was one of the areas we were looking at. Um, We were also looking at that there's a lot of development. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of a company called NCR, but NCR has a huge facility there uh, for, for support, sales and engineering. And so we kind of wanted to copy that model. We're actually right down the street from Microsoft. Microsoft has a huge office there in Belgrade. Uh, it's actually where the HoloLens was created. The first time we took a tour of that facility, they were just ripping cool. the plastic off the windows that they had covered, where they were doing the HoloLens development sort of secretly behind those, those, those windows. So, Belgrade was was it answered a lot of questions for us. We initially tried it with just you know the third shift or things like that with support, um, but now we have the the dual support operations both here in the U.S. and over in Belgrade.
0: And w- w- what do you think the Proctoring Revolution gives people that helps helps? Is it is it just really <clears throat> online education in universities, or is it uh, as Proctorio also used in other places?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, and, and look, I, I, it's probably been said a million times and I'm going to say it again, but COVID definitely changed our industry. I think that's assessment. That's remote proctoring. Um, Pre-COVID, there were a lot of people who thought it had to be in the classroom. It had to be in the testing center. Uh, and, and then when those options went away, um, a lot of industries, not just education, finally figured out that, wait a minute, I don't have to force someone to to drive or travel stay in a hotel, go take this exam at this secure facility. And, 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 and that's, that's more secure than them doing it at home. The, the realization had finally kicked in. Um, remote proctoring the revolution, I think comes down to people who, when we initially started, so Proctorio was used as, as what we call an accommodation. There are a lot of test takers out there, you know, pre-COVID especially, a lot of test takers out there who, who didn't have the opportunities that the the sort of traditional student had. Think about your working mothers. Think about people with disabilities, whether that's physical, right? Think about people who who have um, a a certain career or path or live somewhere, the the rural student. These people who are trying to get a better education, trying to improve their skills, go get a certification, they they didn't have a voice in this sort of education uh, concept. Um, They couldn't participate. And so remote proctoring has really enabled a large group of people throughout the world to join in and, and, and start taking assessments in a trusted with integrity way at a university um, or, or, or with certification. So I would say the biggest thing is there, there was a group of people who, who didn't have the opportunity who now do. And now that this world has sort of changed and acknowledged and said, look, there are different ways to do this. There, are still maintain the integrity. We still maintain all of the things that we think that a testing center is going to do. We can maintain that. So let's give these people an opportunity. And so we do we do strange things. so we certify um, we certify firefighters, we certify uh, these oil and gas, so oil rig workers, coal miners. Uh, these were people who, if you're on the oil rig and you have to take hazard safety training, what happens is you would have to fly or take a boat, go stay in a hotel, take the assessment at a, at a testing center, and then go back just to certify that you knew how to operate machinery safely. These, these people are very highly skilled, um, very, very expensive, and they would lose an entire week. Now they can do it on site. People are maintaining their hazard safety training and, and, it, and it, it's better for everybody. Um, so I think the revolution is just, just starting. But you have a group of people who either were, were not served at all pre sort of this remote proctoring change. And then you have a group of people who, who, who had to deal with a lot um, to go get these sort of things that, that, that should have been easier. So I, I think this is just the beginning of it. But, it, but yeah, we're, we're seeing a big change throughout not just education. I think education was one of the first ones to sort of embrace the remote proctoring. Uh, but we're seeing it throughout all industries.
0: No, we're suddenly seeing 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 a lot a lot a lot, a lot of it as well. So one of the things that surprised me about Proctorio is that I think your your security and your privacy is is very strong, but you tend to get attacked quite a lot in social media and and things, and people like to almost throw darts at you uh, as being the sort of uh, a big a bit big bad people in, in proctoring when I think you're actually uh, have a very good, a very good story. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about the security and privacy of Proctorio. Can you, for example, see the videos that you record, with any of your team?
1: Yeah, I think, look, that, that's what makes a big difference. Um, I've always, uh, look, I, I've always wanted to take approach to how can you do what the other guys do, but do it in a way that respects the privacy. Uh, of others. And so we've taken that approach very, very early on. Um, we're the only company in in this space that uses end-to-end encryption, and that's not just between transferring video. That's actually between the the test taker and the organization that's administering the exam. Um, so what that means, I know it sounds like a bunch of jargon, but it means exactly what you kind of just said. No one in this organization, so, so not a, a system admin, or even like, uh, so we use we use Microsoft Azure or AWS, right? No one at those companies even can just log in and start viewing recordings. Um, no one in this organization, no one in any of the providers that we have, these third parties can do that. Um, that's not true with any of uh, anyone else in the space. Anyone else in the space that there's definitely an IT person, a CTO, someone who can log in and go view these sorts of things. Now, if you think about it, we knew early on these recordings would be captured in things that are very, very private, um, such as a bedroom. Um, there's a lot of test takers who the only quiet place they can take these is their bathroom. These are personal spaces that shouldn't be available to just anybody, shouldn't be available to the, to the third-party proctor or vendor. And so very, very early we said, look, we have this opportunity where we can remove the human proctor um, from the situation and just make it between the test taker and the administrator. So it's no different than a, than a proctoring center, a testing center. It's the same thing, the relationship between the two, they're just doing it asynchronously and in a location and on a device that, that is their own. So I think it makes a big difference and that goes all the way through the company. So for example, we were the first ones, I know a few have copied us. We are the first ones use single sign-on, so we're not collecting usernames and passwords. Our entire communication system with, with support is that is actually pseudonymous too. We don't get emails, we don't get names, none of that stuff comes through. Now, now it, it bites us sometimes because the school will say, hey, Johnny said he took an exam, contact his support, can you show us what he said? And we have to come back and say, no, we don't know who Johnny is. We can look at all the chats for your account during that day and maybe you can figure out who Johnny is, but we don't even capture it there. So it makes a big difference, um, especially today with, with data breaches and, and, and things like that. If someone were to breach our systems, they're going to get a bunch of stuff that has pseudonymous identifiers, encrypted recordings that we can't decrypt. So, so it, it makes a big difference for the consumer. Um, we, we bring this all the way through the organization. If you go to our website, there's no cookies. I can guarantee we're the only one in the space who has no cookies on their website.
0: Wow!
1: Yeah. yeah. So no cookie banners to accept, which, which we've gotten, Hey, you don't have a cookie banner. You're in violation. It's like, well, actually there's no cookie. So we don't need a banner. Um, we, we, we do this throughout the entire organization. So it's, 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 I would say it's a, it's, it's, it's a methodology. It's, it's something that the, the company was sort of founded on. Um, and, and and we're able to do it. I mean, look, by not having the proctors, by using automation, by using technology and by doing this end to end encryption, we're able to take something that isn't normally very private or privacy focused and make it as privacy focused as possible for the consumer.
0: And so just to clarify that, if I, say, take an exam using Proctorio with, say, a university the university can see my recording if they want to check check that I took it honestly, but Proctorio, nobody at Proctorio from you down can, can see it and it's impossible for you to do so because it's protected by encryption and things. Exactly. Yeah. The best
1: we could see is that this, you know, they're called GUIDs, but this unique ID took an exam that was this long. Um, can't see any of the other metadata. Can't see any of the, 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 recordings themselves, or if they require an ID, ID capture. Think about that. All the other vendors are capturing maybe driver's licenses or passports or things like that. And and that's available to that vendor. So so yeah, it's just like you described, only the the customer, the exam administrator uh, can decrypt those recordings.
0: And so what about some sort of if people, if the computer flags uh cheating or possible cheating can the can the computer we're using proctorio stop an exam do you think it ever should or wo- or could or would like to in the future so this
1: is something we get fought on all the time uh especially as we enter the spaces outside of higher education um, our our opinion has always been that the computer should not take an action um so so maybe 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 it's it's a problem with certain industries but In our opinion, look, the computers can do very simple sort of black and white analysis. But what is cheating? I'm sure you have a different definition than I do. Um, I'm sure that on a per exam or per test or per course or per certification basis, there's different um, considerations of whether something is cheating or not. There are different types of people, people who need things like screen readers or need people that actually sit there and help. Uh, help them read or, or, or write out the exam uh, or understand it, translators, things like that. So cheating, there, anyone who's selling this sort of snake oil, I would say, where it's this, oh, we can detect cheating and we could stop them in the exam and things like that. It, it, it's simply BS. I don't believe it because what is cheating really, really depends on the circumstances. So Proctorio has always made um the decision that we don't make a decision like that during the exam. So we will not remove a test taker using algorithms or AI or things like that uh, from the session. Uh, What we will do is simply flag every sort of type of event, you know, multiple people looking away, getting up from the exam, opening new browsers, opening new programs. We will flag those things and deliver that report to the the exam administrator. And, And they're the ones who can decide whether they even care or not. Um they can even decide on a per test taker basis. So it's not like there's a, a set um sort of settings on a on the entire exam. Uh they can actually go in and say, hey, this person has an exception. Um uh, maybe they have IBS and they need six bathroom breaks, right? So so that exception can be applied, and that goes into that analysis. So, so these the, these kinds of things I don't think computers should be making the decision in. I also don't think third party. Uh, proctoring uh, or other vendors should also be making the decision. This is between the the test taker and the exam administrator.
0: And how do you check? Because I know there's another big issue is whether uh, AI type algorithms are fair to everybody and deal with people with different demographics and and things. How do you approach that to try and be as fair as you can do?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's something that a lot of people are finally talking about, which is good. Um, I think some of the, the first conversations that have happened over the last couple of years are, are really differentiating facial recognition versus facial detection. Um, there are different products there. And, and a lot of the things that have been found to be biased are based on recognition products like AWS recognition and things like that. Um, and and, and there, there, what we're actually learning now, actually, we've known for a while, but what the, the world is finally learning is that algorithms, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. So if, if you don't take care um, and 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 really adopt a methodology for training algorithms, um, you're going to get terrible data out. And so for for the last several years, you know, since the beginning of the company, we've trained algorithms based on. Sets of data that that we try to get a variety of, uh, think about skin tones, genders, ages, things like that, uh, so that we can remove or eliminate as much bias as possible. Over the last couple of years, we've actually adopted an auditor who goes through, and every time we do a model change, they go in and and take groups of data that our system has never seen uh, with known outcomes and test it against that. And and so it's a process. It's a process of continuing to update the algorithm, continue to check it and look for these sort of biases that could be introduced. And and, and that process just keeps improving and improving and improving. Um, We've adopted a new program here. We're we're doing all kinds of, I would say, cool things where all of our AI is is sourced off, off ethical data that's been collected. So we're not stealing data from users or customers or things like that. So it's been ethically sourced. The other thing we're doing, too, is all of our training now is done on sustainable energy. We're lucky here. It's not a sunny day, but we're lucky here in Arizona. It's mostly sunny. We installed a huge solar farm and all of our models are actually being generated on, on solar power today. Um, So it, it's, it's, it's a big difference. Uh, I would say the big differentiator for us is we're building our own models and our own products because we can test it and we can continue to iterate on it. Um, a lot of people are just using things out of the box, like Amazon recognition and things like that. Actually, I think everyone is using that. And, and that comes with a lot of problems. I mean, here in the US, it's banned by every police department to use things like that. And so why that's being used in education is kind of shocking to me. Um, but, but yeah, I think, look, the criticisms are great. Um, the only way companies can continue to improve, the only way companies like Proctorio can continue to improve is by receiving criticisms evaluating them, determining whether or not they're they're our product or just sort of a general understanding of the market, things like that, and and, and taking action on that. And so for a long time now, we have been doing what what we consider ethical based AI. We're going to continue to do that. And and we have a few more things that you'll see this year that we'll release. Uh, But but it's, 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 it's the right approach to doing this.
0: And I think I know your answer to this, but what's your view against human against AI proctoring? Was the the people who advocate hu- human proctoring suggest that it's a uh, better quality at identifying uh, uh, che- 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 cheating and also that for a lot of AI proctoring, people don't always review it as much as they should do. So look,
1: my, my opinion, I think comes down to one thing and the, it's the most important thing. And, and it, it, it comes off the previous question with biases. Here's the thing that computers are very good at. Computers are very good at being consistent. So if I were to do an evaluation of the algorithm and and go through and, and, you know, our latest reports, we're always improving it, but our latest reports say there's no statistically significant bias. The computer will always, always nail that. The computer will consistently produce those results over and over again, and we can continue to improve that what i say to the people who who use humans is there is no way there is no way you could ever evaluate your human staff of proctors and get consistent results people have bad days people will start their shift and they will have a bad day people are tired you never know what's going on in someone's life and and then they bring that to work right um people what we talk about algorithms being biased because of people well people are biased um so Humans are much worse at things that I would consider are sort of binary, which is which is evaluating whether the person, for example, is there and they're in front of the camera and and they're working on the exam. Um, humans make all kinds of assumptions. Humans also have things like background checks that should be required. Well, the computer doesn't need a background check. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the computer isn't a felon, um, and, and and those sorts of things happen, and so my opinion on the humans is look humans still are involved in the process like i said earlier we have humans who help the test stickers get in the exam that's something really only a human can do and then we have humans who evaluate it at the end Um, yes i would say certain clients of ours uh will use it to check a box and they never review the recordings Um, Sometimes that works. It, it, I don't know if where you are, you have the, the cameras on the road that are taking pictures when people are speeding. You never know if that thing's plugged in. And so there's obviously a, a sort of a factor there that that, that, that is considered by right? just having the camera on the side of the road are, are we are we reducing speeding? So I think by having the, the proctoring software there, we're reducing the, the, the cheating. The other thing too that that I don't think a lot of people talk about, when it comes to whether they're reviewed or not is most test takers will end up cheating because they think someone else is cheating they'll think that the, the the playing field is not level and if you do if you do any of the student surveys like we do all of them think that when the proctoring software they feel that the playing field has been level they feel that they have the same uh, advantages or disadvantage the students and or the rest of the test takers taking that same exam do and i think that makes a big difference those are the sort of things that matter. So whether you review them or not, you're still putting something in place that is that is that is putting a level of integrity uh, in there. So I, I think, look, humans are involved in the process certainly, but for the things that humans are not good at, which is watching people for eight hours a day, um, I, I don't think you should be doing that. I, I think people are a big problem, and and I think of all the issues that we had seen in our industry over the last few years, a lot, most of them you could trace back to humans. Uh, there was an example of a, in our industry that Proctor made someone pee in a cup. Well, I can guarantee you my software doesn't have any code in it that says, okay, your exam is paused, go pee in a cup, you can't leave the session. So so humans humans can make all kinds of crazy decisions, absurd decisions. Um, humans can also, like I said, just have a bad day. And, and based on that, I would say the AI, at least the way we do it, where we blend AI and human, is superior to a human-only approach.
0: Mm. Well, what about uh, content theft concern that people have? Because obviously, if you don't stop the exam, during the exam, if you find somebody copying content, what's your thought on that?
1: Well, look, it's a, it's a problem that's existed for a long time. Um, you had, uh, even with physical exams, you had theft of, of the exam items, even though they were using, you know, secure couriers and, and, and police even guarded sort of, uh, material. So, so theft is always going to happen. Um, I, I think, look, AI proctoring, uh, means it's technology-based, at least with our company, we're not using products like Zoom or Meeting or things like that and then calling it, you know, automated proctoring, we, we actually use technology and, and the technology itself. Um, through a combination of, of watermarking that we're doing to the screen, a combination of, of the exam security, so blocking screenshots, blocking recording tools, things like that. You're, you're limiting most of the ways that people are going to steal content. Um, the other ways that they'll steal content, they'll still, they'll still do. Um, but what we offer, or and I know a lot of people, there, there's entire companies actually dedicated to this. What we offer is, is sort of takedown services and discovery services. So we can identify if stuff has leaked, um, to what extent is leaked and whether we need to change content or things like that. Um, we've got a product, at least in higher education, will, which can identify any sort of stolen content um, and actually rotate those questions out um, so they're not used anymore. So th- there are ways to sort of battle that. No, oh, no,
0: sure, and I think a dynamic content—content content that changes—is increasingly be adopted. Before we run out of time, I would like to sort of get your views on the future of education and and, and assessment. W- 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 where do you think we're going? So, look, I, I think um,
1: I think the most important thing is 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 education itself. Um, it's becoming more and more personalized, it's becoming more and more available. There, there are certain institutions uh, that, that people could only go to because they were elites or they lived physically in a certain area. And that's that's changing um, and, and, and for the better. And so, yes, there were things like MOOCs and I don't know if that formula worked, but education or access to education um, globally is becoming easier and easier. And I think what what changed in education at least is, is the sort of, um, this digitization, which, which was a huge thing that had to occur, and this sort of acceptance of the remote uh, or the non-physical person on campus. And, and I think, look, the, the entire industry when it comes to assessments, whether it's in education or certifications, uh, is going through a revolution. Um, people are not comfortable anymore. L- look at work from home, for example. People are not comfortable anymore going, parking, driving, going to the testing center. The testing centers are invasive. You have to basically strip down, you put everything in a locker, they pat you down, you go through a metal detector, something that's more invasive than than the airport security. Um, People are not comfortable with that anymore and it it only hurts a population that's trying to become educated. I think we would all agree that the more education people can get, um, the more educated we are, the better humans will, will end up being, the better the, the future generations will be. And so any of these sort of barriers or, or burdens that we currently have, eliminating them, dropping them, uh, and making things easier uh, is, is the future. And, and the thing that, that you know, higher education has started it, I think certifications are gonna adopt it very soon, is, is can we still do this and respect the integrity, right? Think about it, you've got bridge builders, You don't need bridges collapsing. You have nurses. You don't need them killing people. You have pharmacists who who should be issuing the right drugs. Um, There's a level of integrity that that people expect. And now that there are tools like Proctorio or any of the other remote proctoring tools, people can say, okay, does my degree say online on it? No, it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. And, And what I'm hoping is that we can actually switch to this paradigm to say, I want to go online because it's more personalized. Because it's more convenient, I can maybe move through the education system quicker, um, and, and that's what I would like to see. So I think the future is the opposite of what I saw ten years ago. Not the concern that it's online, but actually the demand or the request: Can I get an online degree? Because it's going to it's going to fit my needs. It's going to be convenient for me, and and the world will be a better place.
0: That sounds great and uh, a good a good, a good place to, to end. Thank you very much Mike and thank you all our listeners for listening for us today. We appreciate your support and don't forget if you've enjoyed this podcast, why not follow us through your favourite listening pl- platform. We have a, a new episode every, every month and also please reach out to me directly at john at with any questions, comments or if you'd like to keep the conversation going. Uh, you can also check out more about Proctorio at uh, proctorio.com and visit questionmark website at questionmark.com to register for any of our best practice webinars that we host frequently. Thanks again and please tune in for another exciting podcast we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks John. Thank you Mike.